home life it's home plus life podcast we're not here to just talk about the latest trends we're gonna break through the myths and put some facts on the table because when it comes to real estate you need to be well informed so now it's time to get serious and talk market trends here we go sure enough we'll go down a rabbit hole and talk about something cool something cool that has caught our attention it's jtm welcome everybody let's dive right in hello jh i, I love the fact that you didn't, <laughs> didn't mess up pressing a button you just didn't press a button there <laughs> well i mean you like you sat back job done yeah. ready to roll and we're all waiting for the button to be pressed. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, let's face it. I'm still I'm still learning these things. <laughs> welcome to episode 30, everybody. Yeah. And, um, and welcome, Paul. We, we have you. a special thank guest. You. How are you, Paul? I'm doing very well. Thank you. So Paul's here. He's, um, Paul, your, your background, you've, you've been an agent, I understand. You, yep. You're heavily involved now in marketing for agents and things like that. So you kind of, you see the, the whole gamut of real estate agents across the market. Absolutely. Um, and I, so therefore, I, I kind of figured it'd be great to have you on because you'd kind of be an ideal third person or third party for us to hit up and go, hey, what makes a really good agent? That is a very open-ended question, but it I'm is. sure <laughs> I'll get there. I've had about 14 odd years experience in this sector. So I mean, yeah. I've, I've learned quite a lot over that time. So. Exactly. So, I mean, I've got my opinion, you've got your opinion, but I thought let's pull in a third party uh, and, and Paul is, is absolutely ideal for that. Uh, and then... The JTM is your... Ooh, do you know what I learned off air as we're prepping, we're getting the studio ready to have a guest. The two and of you were geeking out, weren't you? We we both love barbecue and, and making things taste Isn't good. Isn't that just a man thing? Like it's ingrained, it's well, in your blood. I mean, there's there's that meme that says after 35, you either get really intense about your lawn, golf, barbecue, and there's one other thing, but it's not important, so who cares? Yeah. All righty, I think, what do you reckon, time for a word from our sponsors? Sure. I'll get they're, the button. They're, they're paying for the whole gig. Ready to sell your home? Don't make the rookie mistake of jumping in blind. The first step on your journey is critical. Research. You need to know what your house is really worth to get the best deal. And that's where checkmyhouseprice.com.au comes in. With a free house price report, you'll get all the juicy market intel, recent sales data, and other must-have info to help you win big when selling your home. Don't gamble on your home's worth. Make checkmyhouseprice.com.au the first step in your successful selling journey. Visit us today and get your free house price report. Yay, we're back. All righty, let's do it. All right, Paul, straight to you, straight off the bat, before Sian gets the chance to jump in and throw either of us under the bus. Right, yeah, I've heard that happens a bit, actually, yeah. on, on these. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't even have a, her heavy licence yet, but, you know, the way she drives those buses. Um, well, you can be a passenger and I'll just open the door and kick you out. What would you prefer? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think I prefer my chances of tuck and roll. Yeah, tuck and roll, yeah. definitely. Tuck and yeah. roll? You don't want to be roll. a human speed bump. No, tuck and roll. <laughs> tuck and roll. At least I've got, I, I can at least convince myself I've got some sort of control then. <laughs> All right, straight off the bat. Yes, sir. What, it, what makes a good agent in your eyes? Given what you've seen across the board, everything that you have seen in, in 14 years in the industry, mm-hmm. and you've bought and sold houses yourself for yourself as, as yep. well as as an agent yourself. Yeah, yeah. What is it that makes a good agent? Um, I think 
don't look at what the typical agent stereotype is that is out there in the market right now. Mm. Um, I think what makes uh, a, a real good agent is someone who is that, what I like to say, that orange in a basket of apples. Yeah. Someone who stands out, someone who's authentic, someone who is truly out there to help their vendor or their client achieve what they need to achieve. Mm. And, and don't let anything get in their way by doing it as well. I yeah. think it's, it's really important um, to know your market, know who your client is. Um, and I think the key to it all is really good, authentic marketing. Yeah. I like that. I like that so much. What, that everything that he just said we, we've been saying? Or you, I mean, I mainly, mean, look, but I've just there's, there's that. <laughs> I, I love that aspect. But no, it's it's the authentic marketing. You know, it's so one of the, one of the the things that I I truly deeply deeply believe, and I've been teaching agents for nearly a decade now, is you know through the late eighties and the nineties we had the IBM salesperson era, right? The perfect suit, the vest, the black tie, white shirt. They showed up looking absolutely immaculate, and that was the visual epitome of trust in a salesperson. If someone rocked up like that, they took that level of care with their appearance. They were someone you could trust. Oh, power suits for you. Massive, massive, <laughs> right? And towards the end of the 90s, the the dodgy guys started to realize that to get business, they needed to look, right? Like the dodgy salesmen, the, the used car salesmen, the cowboys, or however we want to call them, they went, I've got to look that smick, Absolutely. right? I've yeah. got to mimic the IBM well, sales guy. Came up bid budget. Tara Cash, right? <laughs> Tara Cash. So I can't talk. I... Uh, Johnny Big's the only place that makes suits big enough for me unless I want to get them custom built. But that that became that image. So throughout the noughties, right, and particularly the early noughties, that image got really, really heavily tarnished. And so when I joined real estate in 2009, it was kind of the end of that era and you started to see real estate agents and really good salespeople dressing very smartly. Often they'd still have the sports jacket that have a nice button-up shirt underneath or a T-shirt that was a nice, you know, well-looked-after T-shirt and a nice pair of pants, nice shoes, and they were still meticulously kept. But there was that casual professionalism, that kind of that effortless professionalism in the image that started to come in because they were starting to operate more in line with who they were. They were the early adopters. And we've gone through about 10 years, in my opinion, where we have this kind of hybrid, you've got the absolute schmick, perfect IBM sales look, and you've got the authentic look. And sometimes, by the way, that IBM look is the authentic look for that person. I think the other thing too, though, with agents is obviously, you know, um, you don't want to be looking like Frankie from Grace and Frankie where she's, you know, the hippie, full, like everything's flowing kind of Unless you're selling a Nimbin. Market for market. Authentic for your market. I suppose. But then you also don't want to be uptight like Grace. Yeah. When... If you unless you're selling uh, in unless, Sydney, unless you're like that, I mean, well, it, it's, it, it's 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 yeah, it's it's that market. I yeah. mean, obviously, dress for the way that you are and yeah. how you want to be presented. Because at the end of the day, when you're on social media and with mm. what you do, walking Absolutely. through and showing, you want to make sure that you're showcasing not just the property but also the authenticity of that particular agent too. Yeah. So I think I think the question you need to ask yourself is. What's the fundamental of marketing? What does marketing mm. mean? And in my opinion, marketing is an effective way of communicating to your target audience. Yeah. That's what yeah. marketing is. So you're 100% right. I mean, if, if you're in the inner suburbs of Sydney or Melbourne, then if your target audience dictates that that's the 
type of person you should be or if that's the type of person you are, then absolutely market yourself along that along those lines. But if you're in the outskirts, yeah, be real. I mean, you know, wear jeans and a T-shirt. Yeah. You know, be that authentic person because that is your market. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than being intimidating. Yes. Yeah. And and still, but still be presentable. Absolutely. Still, yeah. still be like, if you're going to wear jeans and a t-shirt, make sure these are, are well looked after jeans that are yeah. properly washed and ironed and prepared and the t-shirt is immaculate and so forth. Like still present at that high professional level. 100%. Um, because that's, you know, no, nobody is... wants someone who's rocking up with jeans that are covered in paint to come and sell their house and, yeah. and the t-shirt's got a rip in it and it's got smudges from last night's beef jerky. Because this no, does no, actually absolutely. come back to the whole reason why I said we needed to do this podcast. And that was because, obviously, if you have someone come in and you feel intimidated by them, you don't want to ask those questions that you need to know when it comes to selling your property because yep. you you are intimidated, even in your own house, because of the way that someone yeah. has presented well, themselves. If you're, if you're so, feeling anxious with someone, you're, you're never going to feel comfortable enough to ask what you need to ask and learn what you need to learn. That's right. And there's so, so much stuff that, you know, when it comes to transparency, which is something that, you know, one of the agents that you do work with, she is very, very transparent, um, which is what we do love about her. But it also comes down to the fact that, and I have said this to you, People won't ask questions. They'll sit there and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And it's not until they walk away that they're just like, I have no idea what they just spoke about and this is yeah. the biggest asset of my life. And I hope they know what they're doing. That, that just fuels the anxiety, right? And yeah. then, that, that then creates a client relationship that's filled with that anxiety because if, if they're walking away going, I don't know what's happening, I hope that that person I'm about to pay a fortune to does – there's already doubt and confusion happening there. And I think, you know, talking to homeowners as, as we do on this podcast, you've got to be comfortable with your agent. I, I think hiring an agent based on image alone is is not the best go. Like I some of the best performing agents in Southeast Queensland now, sports coat, white t-shirt, tan slacks. Immaculately presented but they're not the IBM salesperson look that we grew up with as the quintessential so, IBM salesperson. No, it's, again, it's, it's knowing your market. And, and yeah. don't forget, you know, that when you walk into, you know, and you meet a vendor for the first time, you know, if you, everyone's heard this, you know, first impressions count. Sometimes if you don't know your market and you overcompensate, you'll put a barrier up. Mm. And there's yeah. more of a barrier, more of a rapport to build to bring that barrier back down to normal. Yeah. So if you know your market, you're dressing, you know, accordingly, and you know exactly who you're talking to in your area, then you'll automatically going to be on the front foot because you are now more relatable. Yeah. yeah. And that is an easier conversation to have with someone when you talk to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what when you when it comes to you working with agents, yes. do you just work with any agent or are you also particular about the agents that you work with? <laughs> I need to be aligned yes. with my beliefs, yes. and I need to also understand. They, I need to also understand that the the client that I'm working for understands there's a different way of doing it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and like I said before, it's my mission to have clients become that orange in a basket of apples. Mm. If they can think differently and they can act differently, and they haven't been, uh, I guess, tainted by the make it till you make and, it. Yeah, yeah. And and what's out there? And they're not copying, and they haven't got too deep into copying every other mm. agent. Then they're definitely someone that, that I can help and I would love to work with. Yeah. Um, it really does come down to um, can they be trained? Yeah. 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 
Yeah. That makes I, sense. That, it's, well, I mean, yeah. the age that we're about to step into or have – we've already taken that first step when it comes to real estate and the industry – is there is so much developing that is happening, not just with the way that they present themselves, but also the technology that they're using yeah. as well yeah. and is available to them. So if they're not upskilling and taking that role and you know going with the momentum, they're going to be left behind. Well, I feel. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think you know one of the the, the most important things and one of the fundamental tenets of that. Mm is they've got to be using technology to enhance the human connection, right? And to allow them to be authentic. And, and one of the, the huge pitfalls that we talk about a lot with agents, and, and I'm going to New Zealand this month, um, or, or when we're recording, I don't, in October, I'm going to New Zealand, um, to, to teach agents how to use AI, to build social media content, to build social, their social media strategy and so forth. And one of the big caveats that I put on that when I teach them is, you can actually have the AI make you look and, and put you on a pedestal through your content and everything like that. But you still will not be successful because if you cannot live up to the, the pedestal and the position the AI has put you on, that you've leveraged the AI to put you on in your marketing and everything that you're doing, then the client is going to know that in a heartbeat, the minute you walk through the door mm. and the cognitive dissonance, the disconnect that is going to happen for that client because they're suddenly trapped in this, this isn't who I hired. Yeah, this I is, thought this I is, was this getting is not who someone I invited in. And right? you've just so walked in. <laughs> the, the trick with this, and, and this all ties back to what I think the underlying theme that we're all sort of skirting around and talking and giving examples over the top of, is when you're hiring an agent, what makes a good agent is authenticity. More than anything, it's authenticity. Every agent has access to the same tools or variations of the same tools. They've all got access to AI. They've all got access to CRMs. They've all got access to marketing people, video guys. They've got access to all of it, right? But what it comes down to is that authenticity. Mm. Because if they are presenting at this top level mm. and they're, they're leveraging AI content to put them up there, they've got a brilliant video guy who's putting them up there and making them look like that, and they walk into your home... Hey, hey, mate, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, I wow, think... that's really loud. I, I think she'll be worth it. Sorry, but, you know, you know what I mean, right? The shirt's untucked and, and there's 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 a little bit of breakfast still stuck in the beard oh. for, for Ron, you know. And, like, if, if they don't... If the image doesn't match, no. that is a massive red flag for me, particularly in an industry where when I got into this industry, I became an agent, got my license in 2009, started going through all these training courses and listened to all the real estate coaches. And one of the things that I heard more than anything else, which absolutely made my skin crawl because it is such an antithesis to who I am, was fake it till you make it. And it is the worst piece of advice that I think anybody can give someone starting out in any industry because particularly in this day and age, we have the ability to upskill so rapidly and learn and fill the gaps in our knowledge so rapidly that fake it till you make it is not a relevant strategy. No, absolutely not. And 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 the, and the point as well on top of that is everyone's got access to technology mm -hmm. to make them look like that fake person. Mm -hmm. Yes, right. And I think I know, I know you're going to resonate with this. And I've always <laughs> believed in this years and years ago. Simon Sinek, a great ins inspiration to to my life, is people. Don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. You saw my piece of paper floating around, did, did you? When I was, when I was <laughs> cleaning up, I found it, I showed it to him. And, and I think 
everyone out there who's thinking of becoming an agent or improving their skill set, go back to the fundamental. Why are you doing it? Why are you there? Are you genuinely there to help people? If you are, then help people. Market yourself as being that helpful person, that that friendly family member, the mate who can help sell my house. You will do incredibly well. If your why is because you want to sell the most amount of homes in the area, then no one's going to back you. No one's going to want you to be the number one agent in your suburb. Well, given People the fact that everyone you. else is trying to do that too. Well, and, and that's exactly, <laughs> exactly. It, you know. So if we if we bring that back to the homeowner's perspective, right? Because that's who's listening in to, to our podcast. Like we don't do this podcast for agents, right? We do this for homeowners. What does that mean for them? If they're looking and they've they've got a plethora of agents, let's be honest, everybody's got real estate agents in their social media feed. Everyone's got them in their inbox. Everyone's seeing their signboards up, the bus stops, or all of it. I think everyone gets the junk mail, even though they really don't want yeah, the junk and, mail. Yeah, and has uh, the no junk mail sign. So, like what you've said is brilliant, but let's flip that on its head. Yep. What does that mean for a homeowner? What What is the actionable piece of advice and information out of that for the homeowner, and how do they execute on that? I think that the homeowner, once they, they start looking and want to find that agent they will know immediately if they resonate with them based on what they see now one key thing as we know in the social media circles is a lot of people don't what we call social proof themselves Mm. so when people are doing research and they're out there looking for someone they want to know exactly what they do how they act Mm -hmm. what not not what they've sold and no one wants to see a i've sold these many houses this week with a static photo of a house and sold on it they want to know well how did you sell it who did you sell it to you know, and, and see real people because people are communicating with people. Mm. Yeah. But no one's communicating at the people versus people message. Yes. Yeah. So and, and does tie in with the whole transparency thing too. 100%. Yep. And if you're doing it for the right reason, your why, then you're going to have plenty of content to yep. provide people to go, do you know what? That's not the normal agent I've seen out there. Yep. Yeah. I want to talk to them. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 100%. And, and it's, it's interesting because I'm seeing... There's a couple of agents that come to mind at the moment that I'm seeing try to pull this off. And I happen to know the image that they're presenting on social media is actually completely different. It's actually it, it odds with the image they present behind when they think no one's watching or when they're dealing with a prop tech or they're dealing with someone behind the scenes, right? This is a person who's all, yeah, yeah, we're all good, we're great, we love everybody and everything like that. But, you know, they'll they'll ring up a help desk. Don't even say hello, and the abuse is immediate, right? Because something's not going the way they want it to, and so like, and that's that's a disconnect mm. between the image they're presenting and who they actually are, and that almost always leads to a fall from grace. One hundred percent, and that, that's and, that's your traditional marketing, yeah. where people are putting out the uh, the product that isn't the product that you end up with. Mm, that yeah. will end up in bad reviews, disappointment, no recommendations, and you're basically playing yeah. the numbers game. Mm. Yeah, uh, 100%. And, and it's, a, it's a very rotating business. And I think that's huge because one of the things that agents don't do well, and this is for, for a homeowner, this is as much as it annoys us, one of the best ways to tell if your agent is a relationship agent is actually genuine and has the systems in place to help them be authentic and be genuine is when they stay in touch with you for years after they've sold you the house. Mm. If yep. they're still in communication with you, you're still getting market updates, you're getting valuable tips and tidbits, and they're saying, hey, happy birthday, or they're saying congratulations anniversary, and they're staying in touch with you, that's an agent who 
genuinely is a relationship like long-term agent. Well, and we we had actually, sorry, Paul, we yeah. had actually spoken to, I forget, I forget where, where the agent was, but they were telling us about how they had one person that was like, look, I've sold houses before and I've, you know, but you're the first one who actually met me at the house Gave me the key, opened up the door, that showed was, me through the house. That was our beloved Narelle. Oh, was it? It oh, was. Of course it was. Yeah. And, and you just happen to know her, don't I, you? I Paul? happen to know her. She <laughs> yeah. is fantastic. So, so the story yeah. you're talking about is a Sunshine Coast property. Uh, and she had sold the Sunshine Coast property to, to people who had sold their house. They'd had a nightmare selling their house on the Sunshine Coast with a different agent. I won't go into that deal, won't name names. Um, but they'd bought this property off Narelle because Narelle had picked it up just through you know, referrals and so forth. And Narelle had reached out to them and said, hey, I'll see you at the property. Everything's all good. I'll meet you here at this time to give you the keys and, and I've got a nice little bottle of wine and a couple other bits and pieces for yeah. you. And they're like, wait, wait, what? We, we don't have to come to you. Drive down from the Sunshine Coast to, to um, where, where is she? She's in Caboolture or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> or whatever. For 45. <laughs> I, I'm trying to, I, I wanted to say Budrum and my brain was like going, it's not Budrum. Don't say Budrum. Burpengary is what I was meant trying to say. But, you know, it was a 45 minute drive. Yeah. Right. And I was like, no, that's not how it works. I come to you. This yep. is your house. I'm meeting you at your house to hand you the keys. Like, this yep. is exciting. There's no excitement if you come into my office. What are you talking about? Right. And, and they were blown away. And then later there was a text message because there was more issues with the house that they were trying to sell through this other agent. And there was a text message to Narelle going, if you want to start selling in the Sunshine Coast, you're not going to have any competition. They've got no idea how to do it up here. They've got no no idea of mm. customer service, right? And and that's it. It's that <laughs> challenge for all the Sunshine Coast uh, peeps, if that's the case. Yeah. Look, I, and I know there's a couple of good ones, but the Sunshine oh, yeah. Coast is, is a big place, oh, right? Yeah. Like Mark McGill's on the Sunny Coast. I know he kills it. He's amazing. Yeah. Does a phenomenal job. Uh, and particularly with the customer service aspect, like that's they pride themselves and then on also that. Also, Tanya Montgomery and her crew. Tanya Montgomery, they're amazing. So, like Tanya, Narelle, Mark McGill, these are all really, really good operators, mm. right? Um, I'm, I'm not sure about Tanya, but I know Mark McGill and Narelle are also market buyer as well. So they they've got that transparent that offer process to make things easier for everybody and, and give everyone fair and equal opportunity. So there's a couple of fantastic agents up there, but you know there's there's hundreds of agents up there. Mm. And there's a lot of these really poor or low percentage experiences that are going on based on what we're seeing. And let's face it, the one way that is, well, it's one of the best techniques of marketing, word of mouth. At the end of the day, yeah. we're social animals. And if you if you pissed off someone... <laughs> They're going to go and tell those ten friends. Well, over the over the you know the years that I've I've been doing this, I've always told my clients, you need to be the person that turns your client into a salesperson, mm. right? Yes. And and I think the expectations are so low in the market right now. If an agent does the basics, and that is good communication, good customer service, and you look after them from the minute you talk to them to the minute that the home is given to them, mm-hmm. and beyond. Mm-hmm. then you will have a referral-based business where you would never have to prospect again. Yeah. Because yeah. they will sell for you. They will refer, tell family, tell friends, and they will be your biggest advocate. Yeah. yeah. And no one is putting any attention into that form of marketing, and that is just be you. Yeah. Be yeah. that good person that they're going to call and say, hey, you need to talk to this person. You mean actually yeah. give a damn. Give a damn. 
Absolutely, one hundred percent. Also, communicate. Like, who'd have thought that communicating with people would be such a wonderful tool? Yeah, you know, you know, I sat. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a shocking concept. I know. <laughs> I, I sat. Reply in... to a message. Pick up your phone. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and be that person that they employed you to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, the one thing that I had, like, I've never sold a house. I have been in customer service, all different types of customer service. And the one thing that had been drummed into me was 24 hours maximum, maximum. So if someone sends you a text message or if someone sends you an email, a maximum of 24 hours before you've just, they're they're going to be angry. So even if it's just an acknowledgement of, hey, I've seen the email can I get back to you? Can I call you tomorrow morning? Or can I call you later on today? Even if it takes them two days to get back to you, it's the fact that you have made that first like acknowledgement. I see this here. I want you to know that I'm still thinking about you. Like, yeah. And I, I do that with across all of my, my work and the response that people have with me, and a lot of them are agents that are just like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to get back to me for a couple of days. And it's like, but I'm sitting at my computer, so why should I be responding? It's a 30-second job to just let you know, <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll come yep. back to you here. I can't solve the problem now, yeah. but I've seen it and I can solve And I think that's huge. And it's, it's, I think it's better than an automated response. Um, all right, so authenticity is obviously huge. We've just spent 20 minutes talking about the importance of authenticity. Um, and I think... Authenticity tries in ties into operating transparency, like looking at the notes and the key things that we wanted to touch on here. Um, there's another area that I think that, that you're an expert in, Paul. That I think you know your your wisdom would be it'd be awesome. When a homeowner is evaluating agents, mm-hmm. one of the big things that we harp on about and we tell them to do is look at the marketing, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a reel going around that we've pumped out that that is um, the fastest way to tell if your agents up to scratch is look at the photos right? What should they, aside from the photos and the quality of the photos, what should they be looking at in the marketing of this agent to know that this is an agent worth shortlisting? Uh, The simple answer is if you're looking at marketing, look to make sure that they're covering all mediums of marketing, right? Because people have two sides of the brain, left and right, as you know, you have your analytical side, the ones, facts and figures and what have you, and then you have your emotional side, the ones that look... Now, if you can connect with both sides of those people, right, with uh, plenty of content and good quality content, the thing I would look at is if you weren't in the market to buy that house, does it connect with you on some level? Do you feel something? Could this be your home even if you're not in the market? If you're connecting with that property visually and with information that's presented, then that agent's got the marketing right. Mm. I like that. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it comes back to people, it doesn't matter what we're buying, humans buy emotionally, justify logically. Yeah. So we'll, we'll the, the, the impulse is emotional, the, the initial decision, decision that we make is emotional, I, I do. and then we, we stick to that decision yeah. by justifying it logically. 100%. Here's a good thought experiment, right? So let's just, uh, let's just picture ourselves now. We're in first class. We're flying to our holiday destination. Oh, I like it right? already. <laughs> you know, you sit back, you relax, you've got nothing else to worry about, yeah. right? And you pick up the in-flight magazine. And you open it up on the left hand side, right? You see Daniel Craig, or I'm going to use Daniel Craig as an example here, wearing his Omega watch, you know, leaning up on his Aston Martin with a picturesque scene of Venice behind him, mm-hmm. right? And they put the price on there $10,300. Mm-hmm. 
right? Bargain. Bargain, right? <laughs> and then on the other page, right, we've got you or I, John, right, you know, in our flip-flops, sitting there in our Sunday best with an Omega watch, leaning up on our Corolla outside of the, <laughs> the local Westfield. It's, it's a Pajero, <laughs> Pajero, and I love it. Right? For the same price. Tread, tread carefully on my Pajero. <laughs> hey, this is, this is a love affair. This is a good little beast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which page will you look at? Which one will communicate with you? Because you're visualising yourself being that person yeah. in that area. To, to be perfectly honest, I'd, I'd look at the one with the leaning up on, you know, in the flip-flops and the Sunday best and the Corolla. I'd think that was a parody. <laughs> I'd like I, I wouldn't be in a buying mindset or a, an emotional I want that mindset. I'd be yep. going, <laughs> someone's taking the piss. That's right, awesome, right. right? Like it'd be, I'd be in a being entertained mindset as 100%. opposed to a shopping mindset, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And we're visual beasts, you yeah. know, so yeah. we, we can look at the same message and take two different forms of communication from that. Yeah. So it's exactly the same. You're marketing one of the biggest assets on, you know, that the owner's ever going to have. Yeah. Market it and visually market it that you can picture yourself being in that home, yeah. being in that area mm-hmm. and moving in. Yeah. I do have one question. One. That isn't to do with this at no, Well, it is it. to do with it, but not on here. Look, we've, we've got Paul for as long as we need is what he said, and I'm quite happy to run over time on the set because I, f- I, I feel there's heaps of value being delivered. So there was a particular reel that you had done for our beloved Narelle, yep. and I sat there and I was like, look, I've done analysis of data with lots of my work, mm. and this has got me hooked. And it came down to marketing that she does. And you were sitting there and you were going through the sheets and she was telling you about the data that was there, that was shown. Do you remember that one? And how she's she's getting like four or five times more than yep. next best competition. So, yeah. Because there's one thing that a lot of homeowners go, oh, but you're putting it on social media. Like, how hard can that be? Like, why does it have to spend so much money? Like, that just seems a stupid amount of money to be putting onto social media. What, how, how would you respond to someone if there was a homeowner here right now that's going, why do I have to go and spend $700 as part of their, you know, their budget or within their invoice of how they're going to sell my property? Why do I have to spend? Why is there $700 sitting there? What are they doing with it? Is, can't I whittle that down so that it's, more like 400 instead of 700. What would your response be to that? You can't afford to get it wrong. This is true. You just can't afford to get it wrong. You signed the listing, you've entrusted an agent, you're committing to a sale, mm. and then you're going to cheap out on the most important part of the marketing process. I see people put maybe three or $400 worth of bark in their garden for an open home, <laughs> and they're not marketed in a way where they're going to get people to turn up to the open home. I, look, that I, is yeah. actually a really good way of looking at and it. Look, I, I get like it's an ephemeral thing, right? And so particularly, you know, depending on the circumstances when you're selling, sometimes it can feel quite expensive or it can feel hard to part with that money. But particularly for an agent who is able to demonstrate the results, and that's a sales activity report is brilliant for that, showing that first offer to last offer difference and, and how much mm. more they're able to get if you follow their plan. If you are worried about parting with the money up front, have a chat with our mates at, at Property Credit. Yeah. Who will do short-term finance against the equity in your property to allow you to finance a marketing campaign 
in so that, that you can actually get the results that the agent you're hiring can achieve for and you can arm them to get those best results. Because mm. a good agent who can rock up and slap down a sales activity report and say, you know what my average between first offer and last offer is? It's sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Mm. Right? So this three thousand dollar marketing package, you can you can put that through and, and lay that off, finance that through property credit. And that's a three thousand dollar investment and an eighty thousand dollar increase, you know. And and look, all these numbers are hypothetical, yeah. right? But a good agent is going to be able to do that and show you why you should spend that money, mm. Ryan, and allow you to to feel confident that spending that money is actually going to return on that investment. And I think that's a man, monumental thing. So many agents walk in and go, "They're our marketing packages. Choose one." Mm. They don't justify or demonstrate in a way that resonates how that's actually an investment on a significantly higher return. So then this is where I flip it over to you. Mm. What? So if you had an agent come to you and go, I just like all I want from you is to do heaps of little tiny snippets around the house, right? Mm -hmm. And they were like, but you've only got, you know, I'm only going to pay you, let's say, $500 for it. Right. (laughs) I know that you're probably going, wouldn't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't roll out of bed for that, to be yeah, quite honest. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but, well, there's your answer then. Yeah. But like no. that $700 that, you know, you, that people may be scoffing at going, oh, that's ridiculous. It's because a decent agent for would actually have a hell of a lot more within their marketing budget for you so they can get across all yep. different. So, yeah. so everyone, you know, anyone who buys anything – wants an option. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with having marketing options. Yeah. But show the difference between the budget and what happens if they move up to this yeah. one. Yeah. So you're, they've committed to say a $500 package and the next one might be seven or $800, yeah. right? So that actually, as you know, you said return on investment for an extra $300 investment, you're already committed to 500. So the extra 300, how much more can that bring in? Mm. And then the top package might be another 300. So you've gone from $500 up to $1,100. Yeah. Say, yeah. Right. Yeah. But the difference is stark. Yeah. Time on market. Now that's that's a mortgage repayment that you don't have to pay if you sell it quicker, mm. which is could be four grand. So that's money in the bank. Not to mention the higher packages tend to give more competition. Yeah. So if you can generate competition, you can generate multiple contracts, then your return on investment for eleven hundred dollars could potentially be twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Absolutely. So what what person out there wouldn't put eleven hundred dollars in the bank? And then withdraw eighty thousand dollars out a month later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like yeah, it, something, that, something that, you those touch calculations, on calculations. Once you once you point out those calculations, when, well, like you, you like look you at even it like said that, with right? the bark in the front yard, yeah. like you know, people have no problems in throwing that money around to get the curb appeal. Yeah. But that curb appeal doesn't mean anything if people aren't rolling up yeah. to see it from the curb. And I think <laughs> I think one of the huge points, and there's, there's a story I want to jump into a sec, but there's a, a, a more really important point to ram home on what you just said. If people, if you're not trusting the agent, if you don't feel that connection to the agent, you don't feel comfortable getting back to that authenticity and what we're talking back at the beginning, it doesn't matter what the dollars on that marketing plan are. It doesn't matter what the their first to last negotiation capability and what they can present their value is through transparency and things. If you don't feel good about that person, you're not going to care about anybody. No. You're not going to believe it. No. If you don't have a good feeling, don't hire them. Yeah. 
Like that's, that's go, what it comes down to. Go like you had touched on before, go and do a health check on yeah, what, the, how they're doing yeah. things. Go onto their Facebook page, go onto their Instagram page, go and have a look at all the other platforms that they potentially are on. Cause there's some of them that are on TikTok now. Um, if you're part of LinkedIn, Insta, you can go and LinkedIn, check. LinkedIn, Facebook, yeah, TikTok, WhatsApp, YouTube. Um, you know, all of those different avenues. Have a look to see if you can see that they're on more than just realestate.com and their own website. Yeah. Like anyone can do that. When it comes to the effort that they put into those other platforms, you can really get a feel as to who they are, yep. how they market, because you, it's right there in front of you. It's not just a, you know, it's up on realestate.com and they've put some money behind it on there in order to try and get people to come to an open home. Like it's about checking out to see how many properties they've sold on realestate.com. Where it, pick pick a property and go and have a look on all of those social platforms to see if you you can even find that property because if you can find that property quite easily on their socials, then you know that when it yeah. comes to marketing, it's not just realestate.com that they've no, got they're, money behind. They're, they're doing what they're they should be doing. They're using every other platform to get your property yeah. out there in front of the most amount of people that they possibly can. Yeah. The big thing with social as well, social is a social platform. Yeah. Right? So it should be you communicating who you are and, and, and that personal connection mm. should be the first point of call mm. and then what you do is the second point of call, right? So there's nothing worse yeah. than just seeing an agent with just for sale, sold, for sale, sold, for sale, sold, right? That doesn't do anything. But if you see that amongst other um, you know, social proofing or mm-hmm. rapport building Community activity. Engagement exactly. And, and then you know yeah. they're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Exactly. The second part of it as well is um, agents that I've had uh, work with me have all said, oh, you can't sell anything on Facebook. Well, yes, you can. You need to ask the right <laughs> questions. And a lot of the time, people will go to realestate.com after they've found it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And everyone assumes realestate.com is doing all the heavy lifting. But what happens is a lo- in a lot of cases, people that have come off the market or aren't seriously looking anymore, are on social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if their dream home pops up, they're back on the market yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're not there, they're never going to know about that home because mm. they're not on realestate.com. Yeah. Realestate.com is your immediate process. That's when people are in the market. It's all happening. Yeah. And on that, like something, it, it ties into what you guys uh, are talking about and it ties back into, you were mentioning days on market, right? Yep. A little bit earlier, time on market. And this is really important. I did the interviews, uh, putting my market by hat on. Uh, I interviewed a whole lot of our top performers in, over the last sort of month and a half, did a whole heap of sort of Zoom interviews to create training content. And there was one gentleman that is, is a fantastic bloke. He's a multi, multi uh, REIQ salesperson of the year award winner mm-hmm. uh, by the name of Brett Andreessen, works for Plum Property. And we were talking about how he used market by and he dropped this nugget of gold. And one of the things he said is he goes, look, I do a week worth of preparation in my campaigns and, and that's when I introduce homeowners to the system and any questions come out and so on and so forth. We get to deal with any sort of things that they need to feel comfortable about. And he said, but when we actually go live to market, it's a two and a half week campaign because if we're not sold at the end of that two and a half weeks, we've got something wrong. And I went, what do you mean? He says, well, if you look at all of the stats on all of the platforms, after two and a half weeks, interest falls off a cliff, mm. right? The highest amount of interest is in that first two and a half weeks after launch. Now, if you hit that two and a half week mark and the property is not sold, and he says, he goes, 
my sellers already know that come that Monday, we're having a price, price adjustment discussion because we've got the price wrong. Right? And sometimes that happens, particularly in crazy markets like what we've had where no one could predict the price, right? Like you go, I think this worth is seven, worth 700,000, right? Yeah. And suddenly there'd be 50 buyers and it sold for 980. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't that it, the agent was wrong. The agent was right based on the data they had, but they marketed it well and it was a crazy market and everything just went, boom, bang, yeah. right? That's right. And so in, in this case though, we are seeing properties hit that, that maximum point of interest in the market and not selling. Why? Because they've put the price too high. And he tells a story where they, they priced the property at offers over 600000 They ran a two and a half week campaign, had a heap of people through, didn't get a single offer. So that Monday, they turned around and adjusted the price down to offers over 550 Went back to all of the previous buyers who had come through and reintroduced them to the property. And they restarted that two and a half week campaign. Mm. They got interest. Guess what the property sold for? The original five hundred and ninety-five thousand. They were out by five grand. Oh, yeah, right. So, but yeah. but that's that's such an important thing is to understand what the flow of the market is. And if and this is a great bit of information because you can put this on your agent when you're interviewing them. Hey, what happens if we're not sold at the end of two and a half weeks? Oh well, you know it's a slow market, so we don't know. You know, if they can't turn around and justify what they're saying by going, look. Here's the data for our area. Interest actually doesn't drop off until the four-week mark, mm. right? Or there's no interest, so it's going to take longer because they've got to be able to justify that, oh, the market is slow. It's going to take longer than two and uh, a half weeks. I think the other thing too that a lot of people, a lot of homeowners find really frustrating is the wishy-washy responses. Yeah. The, oh, well... It, Instead of going, instead of taking some of the responsibility, like we're taking it on going, look, the market is like this. This is what I've seen, as you can see in the CMA. Like, so I will try my best, but you need to understand that when it comes to this particular point, I have noticed in this area that if we're not getting any bites, then we're going to have to sit down and have that hard talk, which is what you it's, were It's exactly about. what Brett does. And, and Brett sets it up as part of the strategy from the get-go, and that's what I really like. Yeah. Because there's there's a, a fantastic – he's actually the number one motivational speaker in the world. Like, he's, he overtook Anthony Robinson uh, – Anthony Robbins or whatever his name is. Um, it's uh, Dr. E.T., the hip-hop preacher, uh, Eric Thomas. And I believe you. <laughs> one of the things one of the things he says um, in, in one of his motivational speeches really resonated with me. He said – you failed because you never even thought you could fail. That's so right. you never prepared for it. And that is why you failed. He talked and he opens up, he actually opens up really powerfully. He goes, well, in the armed forces, what, what's the first thing they teach you? And everyone's like, oh, how to shoot a gun, how to make your bed, all this sort of thing. He goes, no, first thing they teach you is how to carry a dead body and what to do if your rifle jams. The first things they teach you in the military in the US is what to do when everything goes to shit. Right, because they got to teach you what to do when you fail, when things fail. Yeah, because that's where it gets catastrophic, and it's what I love about Brett Andreessen's strategy. Right, is he's going. We know that this is what the market does. Mm-hmm. If we are not sold at this point, we've missed the mark. So we're going to restart the campaign from this point, and we're going to have this discussion about a price adjustment on the Monday. And this is where I'm going to be really sarcastic. So you're telling me. That communication and transparency actually means something 
when it comes to dealing with real estate agents? I, I know you keep asking this question. <laughs> I'm a good deja vu all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we are going to say this so many times over the next 120 eps or 150 eps, whatever. Yeah. But we are talking about an industry that has thrived in the shadows and cloak but and dagger. You with had cloak also and gone to the REIQ. Yes. There, and what was one thing that they said? Communication and Communication, transparency, transparency is what homeowners yeah. are like. They're screaming for. for. REA. So realestate.com.au, They released a whole heap of stats recently that did their annual report, right? And they did their, their seller and, and buyer interviews. And throughout that, they want fair and equal opportunity. They want clear and transparent communication. Yeah. It's monumental. It's such an important fundamental. And that fundamental. can be shown with marketing. 100%. Sur- surprisingly enough. Genuine, authentic <laughs> marketing. Like, like we said, you know, the expectations of the homeowner are so low in regards to real estate agents. It doesn't take much for that one to stand out. Yeah. yeah. Right? It it's literally takes being human. It does. And, and I love what you said before as well. Like, um, you know, my dad taught me about the six Ps. Poor, prepara- poor preparation prevents piss poor performance. Yes. yes. Right? And there's nothing worse than a, an agent, like a, a deer in headlights, when they don't know what to do next. Yes. Right? As soon as an agent has, you know, step two, three, plan A, plan B, plan C, lined out without you knowing, right, and they're actioning that straight away, mm. then you're in good hands straight yeah. away. Yeah. You're, you're, you you're, dealing, you're dealing with a professional agent. You're going to be a professional salesperson. Yeah. 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 You're You're going to get the result. It might not be as fast or as smooth as you expect, but it's going to happen because they have a plan and they're not afraid of when shit goes wrong. No. And the the worst thing you want. That's just part of life. The worst thing you want is is a property sitting on the market for too long because then you have what's called price fall off. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. You have the people sitting there waiting. Yeah. Waiting. Waiting. Do you know? Right? And you're dropping and you're dropping and they're going to say, how much farther can I push this? I'm going to wait yeah. for the next price yeah. drop and save oh, another Oh, you're, you're 10, at 700K. Right? I tell you, I'll give you 350K cash. Do, you, do you know what? There is a property here within the suburb that we live. I'm not going to say it because everyone will just go, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't want the people who own it to feel bad about it. But there is a property here within the suburb and it has been on and off the market hasn't sold on and off since 2020 at the peak of it, right? So they had it listed and it's a it's a dual living home. So it, it should quite easily sell, right? And I'm pretty sure that they actually have the ability of putting two titles on there. So if you wanted to knock yeah, down yeah. the house, you have it's, it's two dual titles. Living, dual living, dual title. Yeah, exactly. They were asking 980,000, offers over 980,000 to begin with. No, it was more than that to begin with. Oh, was it? It, it was 1.1 to begin with. And I, so they've dropped to 980 because now it's 780 plus or something. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at it and you just go, whoa. I know originally. So, so what's popped into your head though? Like what's uh, the first thing that's popped into your well, head okay, after so that? Looking, what's wrong with it? Okay. Exactly. Looking looking <laughs> at the photos, the photos are terrible. Yeah. The, right? the, yeah, the photos, the photo, uh, and I, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, they look like they were taken on an iPhone 6, right? right. That that had been in somebody's pocket for the last three years. Um, so it had all the lint on the filter and it was yeah, all Yeah, the smudgy, smudgy yeah, lint. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it looks like um, um, Vaseline's yeah. been put oh, on yeah. it. You know those ones? Yeah. I'm, I'm not going down <laughs> every, that route. Every iPhone out there? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it looks like that for starters, but also the outside of it, like it's it needs a paint. The, the curb appeal is not yeah, very like appealing. The, you, know, you know how on certain, like the older generation houses – they're all getting to that age, particularly in the humid Queensland climate, where the paint starts to peel. Yeah, yeah. 
and that's what's happening. And it's not it's not actually a fundamental problem with the property because it's literally just a paint job. It's it's what happens after 25, 35 years yep. of paint in the if Queensland. It was done, if it had a fresh lick of paint, the if even with the, the overgrown bushes bushes trimmed the, back and the, the fence, fence fixed. Yep. This comes, yeah, this comes back to the fundamentals of marketing again. We live in a convenience age. We're now in an age where mm-hmm. it's acceptable to have our tie delivered to the front door without us getting off the couch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So no one is going to buy a problem. Mm. People don't want to buy work. It might be the cheapest home there. It might be a really good deal. But they can't deal with the fix-up. Mm. No. Right? We they don't have time. Don't have time. You've got to finance it. You've got to figure it out. Yeah. Do you trust well, tradies? Like, it's all just a, no, it's, it's can't a be bothered. Yeah. Yep. So automatically, their their market is very niche then, because it is. It looks like a it's bit prof- of a fi- it's professional it, reno- renovators. Yeah, yep. it's a it's a fixer upper. And a professional <laughs> renovator is never going to pay what the property's worth because they've got to make their margin. They've that's got to make right. their money, and and that's their model. And fair enough. Hey, everyone's every, well, no one's if here I for had a, the time and to, I to had make the money. Lunch. I would be like, yep, let's do yeah, this. Absolutely, because you know I do like fixing stuff up. All right, all right. So I've got you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm super handy. I'll fix your computer. Don't ask me to fix your house. And John's got plenty of time no, to do yeah, it. Yeah. He's got heaps of time. Yeah, heaps. yeah. Um, well, look, we're going to jump into the JTM. We've we've run well. Like we've basically done an entire episode on this segment, and I. Um, that's okay. We've got three people. We can we've got three it people. Up over. I, I think so. That's twenty I minutes think, though, that we've spoken. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's brilliant. Like I, I hope everyone at home is, has gotten plenty of value out of this because I, I feel there's been a heap of value. We've talked. We've talked stories. We've talked around various topics. I think to recap, look, the the key things are, you know, authentic marketing. As to when they're marketing themselves, make sure it's authentic, right? That the person who walks in the door should be the exact same person you feel that you know from following their marketing. Um, look at their property marketing. Right. And look, does it make you feel something? Right. Mm. Even if you're not in the market, do you look at a home they've marketed? Even if that home is not suitable for you and go, if only it was suitable for me. Yeah. If I, I, I want to want that property. Yeah. Right. Can it, does it make you connect to it? Um, there's a couple of, what are, what are a couple of, make sure transparent, right? Yeah. Transparent. Test them on their plan. What's their plan? What if, what if everything goes to shit? Yeah. What if it doesn't work out? What, what is their plan then? Let's see how well thought out they are and, and how professional they are in terms of that. Or are they just expecting that they're going to put a property up and it's just going to sell and, and they're going to be you know, God's gift to real estate? Yeah. And communication. And communication. communication. Call them outside of work hours and if you get the phone picked up, then they're working hard. Yeah, yeah. And and look, I'm I'm going to throw this in as a plug for MarketBuy. Get an agent who's using MarketBuy, in all honesty, because you'll get that transparency and communication. Um, they're always significantly better mm. if they're using MarketBuy. All right, so shall we jump over to the JTM? Let's see which rabbit holes we're going down in this episode. It's time for JTM. It's JTM moment. It might be drinking whiskey, pork, pork, smoking beer. Podcasting, story writing, treasure hunting, you name it. We're really great for years, singing, playing TV shows. As you can see, nothing's off limit. It's JTM. JTM moment. JTM. What will be his next shiny object? I really like how Paul thinks that I'm a professional button pusher. Yeah, he hasn't been paying attention. (laughs) I even went, I think I got that right. (laughs) Question mark? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's It's not not put on. It is a genuine, I mean, 
Look, in, in fairness, in fairness, you've been significantly better today than in like our last seven or eight episodes. Oh, my behaviour's been better with button no, pushing. Your button pushing, your, your button skills, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. So JTM. JTM, yeah. The the two of the two of you are going to be just the perfect <laughs> lamb rub. But one thing that I will say, I walked in this morning. And I found Paul sitting, uh, watching Jay in the kitchen um, with a blender open and the two of them are having a deep discussion. It was a deep, meaningful discussion about the contents of the blender. And I can definitely say that the first thing that, JH turned around with was, ah, oh, I suppose I better write down this recipe. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad he he gives. I did. It, I, I wrote he, it down. he pays me about uh, about you know pushing buttons. Meanwhile, he goes and makes all of these fantastic recipes. But then it's like, ah, oh, hold on, what did I put in that? I wrote yeah. it down in my in my special Sorry. recipe book. <laughs> special so. recipe book. And my barbecue <laughs> favorites. Sian got me for Christmas or Father's Day or um, something. I'm birthday. glad that One you're using it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, we got that. We got it. All right. So um, I'm handing this over to the two of you because I know that I'll just be sitting here going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'll let you two just get Yeah, you just you just enjoy eating it, don't you? You don't really care how we get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, and that's, that's It's fun. not about the journey. For me, it's, it's completely it's the food. about the destination. Yeah, it's, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Look, I, I wanted to do this, um, this JTM because – one of the biggest gripes, and I was so glad that when Paul got here and we started talking about it, it's actually a gripe that he's got too. So I'm not alone in this, right? Is when when you get a lamb rub, yep. so often there's just too much pepper in it. Which doesn't... It, I mean... I am a lover of lamb. I love lamb. Yeah. And to me, like, pepper should never... Like, having a gamey meat... It should never be overpowered by pepper. I can understand no. mint. I can understand rosemary. I can understand lemon. Lemon, some people are a little bit yes. heavy-handed with that. But at the same time, I don't get why pepper in lamb rubs has to be the overpower. Like, I, it's I, a beautiful I, meat. I don't why, get it. Like, I'm with you. destroy that? And, and Paul? 100% pepper is a seasoner, it's not a marinade. Exactly, <laughs> right? And and I think it comes from American barbecue because like Texas American barbecue, Kansas, like oh. they, they love to go mental with their pepper. But and I, I get that, I like on a brisket chili. and stuff. I love yeah. spice. Yeah, but, yep. And I love a chili lamb. I mean, I love lamb vindaloo, like love it. Oof. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I... Pepper, like, yeah, can it, we be more creative? Yeah, <laughs> I, and that's it, right? And there's nothing worse. And you've you've got this amazing rub. You've got, you know, this amazing cut of lamb. And lamb's been cheap for, for the last few months, which is amazing because we've eaten oh, so yeah. much lamb. It's so good. Like $9 a kilo at the Super IGA when it's on special for a leg, like a whole leg of lamb. Sign me up. And But then you, you know, you, you prep it, you smoke it, you roast it, whatever, however you do it. Mm-hmm. And you eat it, and your first couple of bites are great, and then you hit the parts where there's just this overload of pepper. And it's oh. like, I'm done. Like, it, it ruins it. And so that's where this came out of is I'm like, I want to make the perfect lamb rub where just the right amount of pepper is used instead of it being overpowering. And it needs to be a rub that enhances the flavor of the meat rather than becomes the flavor of the meat, which is what the problem with pepper is, in my opinion, is that when they use too much, it becomes the flavor of the meat. And I'm like, this would be great. We'll tack this on. Paul will be here. Who knows if he's into barbecue? Haven't asked the question. He will be now. We'll, oh, we'll yeah. figure it out. 
Turns out, Paul does. When it comes to meats, he's the man and he's 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 the, the JH equivalent in his household. Turns out he loves some chili too. So he's 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 come to the podcast. We're sending him home with my murder sprinkles chili salt. We're sending him home with some of the lamb rub we made. And and you know, I fed him some chili from the different salts and things I've made over the over the years, just to see how he could cope with it. He can handle his he, chili. He passed the chili test. He passed you. Yeah. Actually, turn around and goes, oh, there's a bit of reaper in this. I'm like, yeah, there is. How'd you pick that? He goes, yeah, it's got that acidic taste. I'm like, yeah, okay, so the man can handle oh, his okay. chili. All right, a, then. He's a chili connoisseur. Yeah, he knows yeah. He knows his biscuits. Um, I had half a bit of sweat forming on one of them, but, you know, it was still <laughs> that was That was the death dust. Yeah. That was the one where it's it's Carolina Reaper and Podex chili, and that Podex is hotter than the Carolina Reaper by about 50%. And I had smoked them, dehydrated mm-hmm. them, and then turned them into a powder that I have this tiny amount left of. And it's the one that I used on the the FU jerky when a couple of mates t- dared me to try and kill them with the hottest jerky in the world. And you nearly oh, did. Yeah. I nearly killed one of their mates. Yeah, ended up hospitalized with, had, a, had to have his gallbladder removed. We, we, say, we say we nearly killed him, but it actually was, saved his life. That was a pre-existing condition. Pre- pre-existing that condition been... that got triggered. They didn't know about. And it, so the fact that it got triggered and they, they were able to act so probably saved his life. Because I haven't tried any of these things. Yes. Some of them I have. But this particular one, I just sniffed it. I didn't taste it. You can go taste it. It's sitting on there. some on the bench. Well, I don't want to take Paul's. No, 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 no. In, in the, um, there's one that's ours in the cupboard. <laughs> I've seen our cupboard and I've seen how many spices. It's, it's at the front and it's in the same container that, that Paul's on okay, the bench. I'll be back there. Yeah, so she's she's going to go she's and test this. So, having a chat, we're setting up the podcast, getting it ready for the, yep. the studio for, for a third person. Yep, Paul's yep. here. I'm like, oh shit, Paul, I haven't made this lamb rub. We're going to talk this lamb rub. So we sat there and we made this lamb rub. And so we'll give you the ingredients and it's incredible. Oh, it's, it's absolutely yeah. incredible. It's very well balanced, I've got to say. Yeah. Um, three tablespoons of rock salt. Yep. Which cupboard? The main cupboard. You can have a yeah. sniff of the blender if you want. There might be some left in there. Uh, <laughs> I'll eat out it was, it was, it was right. So she's here. We go. So she's got, she's got some lamb rub. It's a little bit different colour than normal, and I'll explain why in a sec. But so we got three tablespoons of rock salt. We got one and a half tablespoons of garlic granules. So we use the granules oh. as opposed to garlic salt or garlic powder. Uh, one tablespoon of smoked paprika. Yep. Which is why the rub looks a little bit different to what a normal lamb rub would look like. Uh, tablespoon of rosemary, tablespoon of thyme, tablespoon of chili flakes, and half a tablespoon, half, half. a tablespoon of black peppercorns. And that was debatable whether it was even going to be a half. Yeah, yeah. I was like, eh, do we go the half? So we, we yeah. went the half. And it, and, uh, it ended up working perfectly. How, how would you, in fact, actually, Sian's the one who's just put it in a mouth. How would you describe it, Sian? What do you reckon? It's salty, which is good. The, the salt le- will balance out with the fat as the fat renders. Mm. I like the. Has it got sage in it or thyme? There's a little bit of sage. There's a bit of thyme. There's a bit. I didn't write that down. There's a half a tablespoon of uh, sage. And there's garlic stuff in here, isn't there? Yep, the garlic. Yeah, that would be. So I told you it would be subject to change without notice. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> he's improved on it already. Well, no, no, it was it was already in there. It was already. I just forgot that it was in there. Um. Obviously, there's chili because I can see that. Yeah, yeah. There's chili in there. You haven't tried to kill me while putting onion powder in there. No, there's not. No, 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 no. We we know not to use any onion in this house. I can't really smell anything at the moment. <laughs> oh, pepper. Yeah, there's there's a little tiny bit of pepper. I wasn't really listening to the ingredients. <laughs> and that's how quickly you can overdo the pepper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's that's half it. a tablespoon. Oh, it's rosemary that yes. I was trying to. Yeah, that's what you're picking. Up. It's a, it's a hint of it. So 
the the time in rosemary's design that the minute the fat renders, it suddenly blooms throughout the flavor. Those flavors, are yeah. Because there's one thing, and I don't know whether JH has told you this, but I, I, I even said it earlier on that I'm a lover of lamb, mm. and one thing growing up was my nan used to be like, "Do you want to, you know, just have lamb shanks for dinner?" When she would come and have to look after us girls when we were younger. And we were like, yeah, sure. And I remember, like, back in the day, like, going back 25 years, lamb back shanks. Back in my day. <laughs> lamb shanks. Back in were, the day. Yeah, yeah. Were dog food. Yeah. So to, to go and be like, oh, yeah, right, sure, whatever. It's cheap, it's easy, whatever. She would just do, like, this garlic salt and put it into the oven. And you know how it gets that crispy, mm-hmm. crispy niceness and it's a little bit pink on the inside, like just beautiful. Well, he was doing the lamb shanks in the smoker and it was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. It was like, it was, it was like dog food. And there's, there's the midday bus. <laughs> he, it, if you don't cook lamb right, it goes yeah. really. Um, well, the, the skin like on it would go chewy. Yeah, yeah, yes, it does. And, and, yeah. and with smoking, that's what it like. Yeah. That's mm. what some mm. meats. That's how they respond. Mm. And anyway, I'm sitting there, and he was really proud of making me lamb shakes. And you know how like you have little kids that come up and they give you a picture, and they're like, "It's you," and you're like <laughs> looking at it, going, "I look like a cow." But thank you, that's gorgeous. <laughs> that's how I was when he was like, "So, are you really enjoying them? Aren't they good?" And I was like, "Hmm." <laughs> yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mind, whole, I didn't mind Ugh. chewing it. But no, what it, what it was is. I learned going low and slow with lamb. It's it's not the way. It's no. not the way. And so we adjusted that and we, on the leg of lamb we did recently, I went, you know what, I'm sick. Because you said to me, you go, please don't put it in the smoker. <laughs> and our oven's busted at the moment, waiting I, for it to be fixed. I like the crispiness that it yep. gets on the outside of it. And so I, I thought about it. And, and of course, I got this, the Pit Boss 850 Navigator, right? And, and the Pit Boss, you can open up the vents so that it creates direct heat and yep. it becomes like a flame roaster. Yep. Um, Do you which, have a smoker? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I agree. Lamb is the tricky one. You've yeah. got to get that right. High temperature at first, and yeah. then you drop that down and cook the inside last. Yeah. yeah. So if you can crispen the outside quickly mm. and get that fat to render and that flavour to sink in on the outside, and then you just then you bring the temperature down and yeah. let it finish off the process. But yeah, it can go opposite. Yeah. So but the way that I've ended up fixing it is I just open up the the grill plate just let it go and and I so I, I basically flame roast it yeah and it's incredible yeah. because it, the the flame roasting and the direct heat obviously renders the fat mm. far more efficiently yeah. and that creates that beautiful crispiness on the outside that yeah. she loves but also that rendering fat so when you bite into it you get all of the flavors mm. and the rub and the juices and everything like and the meat still stays, stays beautifully nice tender. tender yeah yeah and so that's that's how I adjusted and recovered from that failure. But like, it's it's not always wins, right? Like when you're experimenting, no, sometimes you screw it up. Yeah, it's just test and trial. Yeah, figure it out and, and improve. Then you, and then you have me that will just come over and just be like, mm, 
and then have that face that, you know, all of our parents are like, you're going to sit there and you're going to eat it and you're going to enjoy it, okay? That's exactly what I was doing. I See, was like, and I'm, I'm the wrong person to do that with it because I, I was just going, well, if you tell me it's good, I'm going to believe you because I, I don't pick up, being, being Asperger's, I don't pick up social cues. No, but the thing is, is so, like when you have someone who is super proud and super passionate about what they do and then you turn around and go, oh, that's crap. But, but you can just see that no, they you just don't, go, you oh. don't go that You don't go that crap. You go, hey, Darling, but it was. It's, <laughs> it's it's rubbery. It's chewy. I think I think you've missed a trick. And I'll go. Okay, cool. And I'll I'll literally go away and I'll Google. And I'll be like, why did my my lamb turn rubbery? Why why did it end up chewy when I smoked it? And I'll start looking it through and I'll start reading up and I'll learn. And that's part of the learning process. So I well, I know a lot of people get touchy when it's like, dude, this is crap. Oh, but I'm like, no, tell me, tell yeah, me honestly, yeah. because otherwise I'll <laughs> think that I'm doing right because yeah. I don't pick up on the subtlety and read between yeah. the lines because yeah. of being Aspie. Um, and, and I'm just going to keep doing it that yeah. way if you tell me you like it. If you tell me you don't and what's wrong with it and how I could improve, I'm going to yep. go and research that. Like, it's going to become an obsession to get but it right. Then between the two, for you, mm. do you prefer the way that I like it or did you prefer the rubbery boot kind of? Oh, <laughs> no. When when I opened it up when I opened, and we flame roasted it, that was beautiful. Like, yeah. I didn't mind the other way because for me, I was like, yeah, cool, no worries. And for me... Growing up, lamb, lamb had never been as good as what that last one I cooked was. Growing right. up, right? So, I I was like, oh yeah, it's pretty on par. Like in lamb shanks, to be perfectly honest with you, the way lamb shanks were cooked when I was growing up, I would walk into the house and the whole house would smell like wet dog. So I hated lamb shanks growing up. So then when I smoked them and they had that outside that kind of looked like it was crispy, but it was actually more chewy than crispy. I was like, you know what? It's it doesn't taste like and it doesn't smell like wet dog, so that's a win. So for me, I was like, this is better than what I grew up with, right? So yeah. my by the point of reference. So I needed you to turn around and say to me, "Hey, I get it's better than what you grew up with, but it's actually terrible compared to what I grew up when with." What, what was what, I was going to say? What was funny when I was talking to John out there before? Yeah, we we clicked on a particular thing, and it's like, yeah, but I, I like to improve. Like I need yeah. to know what my version one is, so I can go to version two. Yeah, and then yeah. version three. And but, but, I, but we don't stop there. No, like like I don't go version three point one. Well, right? well, three point one, right? Like it's it's like <laughs> Do you know what I mean. It's like we're, we're talking about right? the seafood chatter, right? Yeah. The seafood chatter, I mean, I've nailed seafood chatter. Like absolutely, it it. Shout out to Isaac. Shout out to Isaac. It's you walk inside on a cold winter's day that's wet. Like the the picture is. You know, you, you take your, your rain slicker off and, and that, you hang it up, you sit down. Rain slicker. Oh, Raincoat, whatever. Like right. the, the image, so the image when I have strived to cook the perf- perfect, no, no, no. I'll, let me give you the context. When I've strived and set out on the goal of perfecting a seafood chowder, the image I have in my head is of the Denali Hotel down in Tasmania, right on the water there, a fisherman coming in on a wet, rainy day where it's like four degrees outside. They've got their oil slick raincoat like their their rain slick whatever the you know the fisherman's oil skin hat. oil skin or yep. that's that's what i'm thinking of the oil skin raincoat and the fisherman's hat and things like that they take this off it's dripping they hang it up they sit down in front of the fire and someone puts this bowl of seafood chowder in front of them with the the, the husker bread like the hard husk of like a baguette yeah, or something that, like that the end of the bread yeah with a nice bit of butter on it and they take that first mouthful and it feels like somebody has literally given them the biggest warmest hug from the inside out and the, and that that's what it should be, that's what a sea, a perfect seafood chowder in my world should be, and what it should feel like. 
And so that's what I set out to, that, that's the feeling I set out to recreate when I went, I'm going to master seafood chowder. And I, we were talking about it and I said, yeah. I've mastered it. I've got it. Like you take, even in the middle of summer, you take that and it's like, you get that feeling, that warm hug. It's just amazing. But once you master it, it's like, that's cool. But now, now I, now, now I need something else. Like you, you sit, you sit there and you do it three or four times and you're like, yep, that's cool. And everyone else is still loving it, but you're bored. You're now, I need, I need another challenge. Did, What's the next thing? Did you tell Paul about how you tried to kill myself and uh, Steve? <laughs> that was with lamb too. That was with lamb. That was amazing lamb. It, it was amazing. I'm not going to lie here. It was amazing where Steve and I, he had been feeding us meat. Now we both have problematic in, in, Indigestion. No, it's not indigestion. It's our intestines. They just don't like us. We love food. Mm. (laughs) Our intestines don't agree. (laughs) And we had been eating so much meat to the point where uh, he tried to kill us. So pretty much for a week and a half, uh, we were eating pretty much meat, just meat. There was a couple of times there where I had gone and made myself some fresh veggies and Steve was sitting there just eyeballing me as though he was going to shank me anytime soon because he he too would be loving a bowl. So I ended up sharing my bowl of vegetables with him. I did give them like spinach and mushrooms and stuff like that with the meat. but Yeah, when it's dominated by meat. Anyway, it was Australia Day. There were herbs and spices on the meat. That counts as greenery, right? It, it does. Yeah. It does. It's it was Australia Day, and naturally, Australia Day, you have to have lamb. And he had gone and bought the uh, was it a it was it was a rack roast, like yeah. and it was a big rack roast. Yeah. It was awesome. And they had gone and from memory, they had gone and cleaned the bones. Yeah, they'd, they'd for Frenched, you so we could just... they'd Frenched the rack. Oh, yeah, yeah. It so were... it, it was basically a rack roast that if you cut in between the bones, you ended up with perfect lamb chops. Yeah. Nice, like yeah. the meat yeah. on the lamb chops was like this. Yeah. yeah, it was beautiful. And he had this rub that he'd never done before, and he was like, "I'm, I'm giving it a go. Let's see how." And Steve and I looked at each other and we we're like. I'm a da, I'm a da. <laughs> and so we had it and we're sitting there and we were like, oh, this is so good. This is so good. Like, and so we went back for more and then we just looked at each other and went three, two, one, and we were gone. But, oh, my God. It was hilarious. <laughs> they would go and spend half an hour in the bathroom and then they would come back and have another chop, wait five minutes, go and spend half an hour in the bathroom, come it back, was, have another chop. It was chop. worth it. It was, was worth so it. Good. It was worth it. It was death by lamb. And they, they absolutely loved it. And I'm sitting there the whole time, the one who's got, you know, bowels and, yeah. and intestines that can handle this sort of thing. And in fact, I, like, at that time, it was holidays, and it was middle of COVID. Steve and I were drinking each night and, and we were drinking way too much. And I was waking up and bouncing out of bed without a hangover. Because my body's, you're giving us red meat mm. and and then you're topping it up with things like spinach and mushrooms. This is literally the diet that your DNA analysis says you should be eating. That's how we grew up. That's We're yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah. Let's He's do it. He's learning that Let's not bounce. everyone is like that. No. And, and it's <laughs> yeah, a bit, I'm, well. I'm bouncing out of bed. Right. And, Let's and, go again. Everyone's like, no. Yeah, that's it. Like, and and we're, we're not drinking little amounts. Like the average was about half a bottle each a night. Like, so that's decent. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking maker's yeah. mark. Like... It was not good. It was COVID. It's not like that anymore. Like no, there's a, no. It's a couple of drinks a week these days. But, And I'm bouncing out of bed mm. without even the scarric of a hint of a hangover. And I'm going, I feel good. I Meanwhile, feel great. Meanwhile, they're dying. Meanwhile, they're dying. Because my body's going, you're giving us red meat and colliery greens and mushrooms. We are the happiest we've ever been. Mm. This is everything we need. Meanwhile, they're just sitting there going, oh, my God. 
Yeah. Can I just have a bowl just of veggies? I, and I'm like, I, I don't know, I felt that if I had have actually jumped into a pool, I would have sunk because of the amount of red meat that was in my stomach. <laughs> oh, you can't have enough. See? But, but see? then you have leftovers and then you can make all sorts of well, stuff. Well, that's, that's the thing that I love about having roasts, especially... Oh, a lamb and gravy like, sandwich the next day. Yes, mm. but do you know what? Bubble and squeak. A bit know, of bacon. Do you know what's even better? Leftover roast meat. Oh, do you vegetables. know what's even better? <laughs> Get you get you you do your brisket, right? And then the leftover brisket, you then start to heat up in a pan the next day. And while that's heating up slowly, right, and you heat it up in the gravy and in the meat juice and things like that, you go and then make a traditional medieval pie pastry crust. There's a recipe in one of these books around here. Um, it's a Game of Thrones recipe book, and it's it's actually a traditional medieval saffron pastry right. crust. Yep. It's incredible. You make that, right, and then you add some veggies into your brisket and you, you literally shred that up so it becomes like a pulled brisket drenched in gravy kind of pie-filling mess <laughs> with some, <laughs> some, some peas, some corn, like bits and pieces in. You then get streaky bacon oh, strips, stop it. right? You lattice work. Oh, no. Right, the streaky bacon to create your pie top mm-hmm. and then the remainder of the pastry you just put in like a crisscross shape over the top Shove that in the oven, like obviously once you've filled it with with the brisket gravy mess. It's mm. a man's pie, and, and you shove oh, that yeah. in the oven, and you finish cooking it, and then you say that it is incredible. Brisket and bacon, bacon there you go. pie. You should yeah. include that recipe. Oh, it's hey. the Game well, of Thrones you cookbook. You can't talk about it and be like, "Nah, suffering your dogs." Hang on, let me. No. Like, let me so, because they they talked about doing it was a beef and bacon pie is what they talked about, and I just swapped it out for the the brisket. Let me see. I can't bend over at the moment because everything's busted. Because you're old and moldy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what I'm hearing here is that we're just going to have to have Narelle and Paul come over so that you can feed them. Do you you know what you need to do? Okay, I've got. I'm going to pitch an idea for you, John. Right? What about a new book? Rubs, remedies, and remakes. Here we go. This is the cookbook you want. Hey. Did you did you not hear that? Rubs, hey. remedies, and remakes. Remakes. I so like we've it. got we've got a hangover remedy. Yeah. Using meat, we've got rubs for meat, and we've got remakes for your Here meat. You yeah. Medieval pastry dough. Look at that. So a pinch of saffron, half cup of water, half cup, a uh, uh, half cup or one stick of unsalted butter, three cups of flour, two egg yolks, slightly beaten. Too easy. Um, Everyone should and, have that at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's in here somewhere. Like it's a, it's a pie, beef and bacon pie, seventy one. He's excited. This is what happens, mm. people, when he goes... This is, this, is, this is how you're seeing a rabbit hole happen live. Here you yep. go. <laughs> Look at that. Beef and bacon pie. Medieval beef and bacon pie. Right? And uh, I just swapped out the, the beef filling for the brisket. And instead of putting the actual pie crust on, I, I let us work the bacon over the top. Streaky bacon. Beautiful. Um, it was Noosa smoked. And Noosa smoked as well. So that's... It was good. It you was can get rich. this on Amazon. Good. So shout out the you know so we don't get sued and, and things like that for revealing this. We'll we'll give a shout out to the authors. But uh, Chelsea Munro Castle and Sarian Lira, a feast of ice and fire, uh, absolutely brilliant. Based off the food in Game of Thrones, you can get that on Amazon because that's where I got it. Near you. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, that was it. Was amazing. He topped it off with the bacon, and that's what I said before. See, he version twoed it before he version yeah. one it. <laughs> I regularly, do, I regularly look at a, I regularly look at a recipe and go, How do I improve this, this is cool, <laughs> but I can make this better because it. And and you know what? Nine times out of ten, yep. I look at a recipe and I go, yeah, that's cool. Needs more bacon, but 
Needs yeah. more bacon. Well, do you remember that old Macca's ad back in the late 90s? No. <laughs> Where they just go, what's wrong with this picture? And the response was, there's no bacon. <laughs> Oh yeah, everything's good with bacon. Yeah. Oh dear. Life is better with bacon. Life is better with bacon. It is. Yeah. It is. But I think I think we need to wrap up because we've we've been going like nearly an hour and twenty at this point. It's because we just love it's, it's everything a, about this it's, episode. It's, <laughs> it's so good. Everything, yeah. Um, but I think I think we definitely need to uh to wrap up. So on that red hot note. On that red hot note, beef and bacon, beef and brisket pie. Um, get your lamb rub. We'll we'll put that recipe up. I've written it all down properly so Sian can put it up uh, and link it to the episode. Uh, Paul Cundall, thank you very much for joining us thank and giving you us your expertise, mate. No How can people reach you if, like, and particularly agents, because there, there are some agents who listen in. So if they want to actually market authentically and be presenting who they truly are in their marketplace and, of course, leveling up their marketing of property as well, how can they reach you? Uh, quite simple. I'm just doing some consultation at the moment. So if anyone is interested in just hearing some information, uh, contact me at paul at paulcundell.com. Cool. So that's cool. Paul at paulcundell.com. Um, we'll we'll see if we can hook that up or maybe we can uh, link you in on social media and things like that, do Perfect. some sort of co-promotion. I'll leave that in your that capable cool. hands, Sian. And uh, if you want any of the recipes, if you missed any of the, the books we mentioned, anything like that, reach out to us on socials, check my page, YouTube, because I think we're on YouTube now. Um, Spotify messages <laughs> don't come through. Everywhere. But, you know. <laughs> Yeah, everywhere. Coming to a bit, I mean, on the, the podcast website, homelifepod.com. Make sure you like and subscribe because that just makes us feel good and warm and fuzzy. Cool. Cool. Peace out. See yous.